The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. During this season of Lent, we are going through a sermon series called Crushed, and we're following the, the Lenten gospel lessons. And, and here this morning, we're actually going to step back in time from what we looked at together, together last week, where Jesus wept over Jerusalem, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And, and he called us to, to hear that sad cry in the darkness. And, and now this morning, we're going to step back just a little bit in time and hear Jesus call on us to repent. So I want to ask you to please stand as we read together this gospel lesson. And this is on page 11 of your bulletins. If you're at home with us, thanks for being with us here today. You're going to want to pull out your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. For those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty? Than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it, fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Luke doesn't tell us much about the Galilean massacre. He, he doesn't give like a, a full color commentary of this slaughter of Galileans. But he does give us vivid and also important details so that we can make some inferences like this one. We know that the massacre must have happened in Jerusalem. In fact, had to. That's where Pilate was ruling, and that's where the sacrifices took place. We can also infer that this event almost certainly happened at a celebration of the Passover. Because that's the reason why Galileans would travel all the way to Jerusalem. And that's, it's actually the only time of year when lay people 
would make sacrifices. So the Galilean massacre must have happened in Jerusalem at Passover. The rest is sort of left to our imagination. And I have to say, it must have been horrible. It must have been absolutely horrific. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Pilate's soldiers walking into the temple area and there God's people, Galileans, are making sacrifices and then somehow they're killed. And then, and then the soldiers do this diabolical thing where they take the spilled blood and they mix it with the blood of the little lambs that had been sacrificed for Passover. Can you imagine how horrific, how awful that must have been? Luke doesn't tell us much, but he gives us enough to know that this must have been And I'm bringing it to you this way because I want you to recognize that this was the ancient version of a headline. This is like, this would be the equivalent today of the American government sending military soldiers into a church on Easter. And while the Christians are communing, they mow them down and then mix the blood with the communion wine. And you can imagine the headlines that, that, that would be generated today. I'm telling you this because I want you to recognize that this, this, is, this is a precious text. This is an important text for us to get how to spiritually respond to disasters. But more than that, how to spiritually respond to the headlines, because they just keep coming. And here, this is one of the only times where Jesus is invited to to guide people into a proper and first response to the awful and real events that happen in our world. And I I wanna add a couple qualifiers. I want you to understand this, that Jesus here is not addressing the survivors of the master. He's not talking to the mothers who must have certainly lost their sons on that day. He's talking to the gawkers. You know, the gawkers, like when you're going by on the other side of the highway and and people are just sort of staring from a really safe physical and emotional distance at what must have certainly been a tragedy. He is bringing a word to a headline for people who are safely distanced. And it's an important one. And really, he's, he's going to give us two responses to this really disastrous and awful headline. And the first one's absolutely definitive. This is how he puts it. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. There's two words in there that really stand out. The first one is no. We we don't run across that word much in Jesus' teaching, but here he says a, a big no. No, no, they're not worth sinners. 
No, we're not going to victim blame. No, we're not going to politicize this because he could have. No, we're not going to blame everybody else for this event in the world. No, we're not going to watch the cable news about it. No, he says, no, none of that. I'm not going to explain it to you. Said he turns it on his head, and the second word in there is the word all. He says, unless you repent, all of you will perish. No, nobody, nobody's left out. Not us, not them, nobody listening. You all will perish unless. And then Jesus, and then Jesus brings up another headline. They all knew about it. We don't know much about it ourselves, but they all knew about it. And this one has none of the, none of the overtones, the, the political overtones, none of the religious overtones. This, this one's just a plain-out disaster. It's like an architectural flaw. These are, it involves, instead of Galileans, Jerusalemites, if that's a real word. Maybe I made it up. But now, northern people and southern people both experience a disaster. Jesus says, well, they were sinners. Again, no. No, we're not going to talk about the legitimate political discourse that should be around building codes for a second. No, we're not going to victim blame. No, we're not going to talk about any of those things. Not first, at least. Instead, he says, unless you repent, you all will perish. Because for Jesus, do you know what is the only true disaster for Jesus? Not towers falling, not massacres, none of that. The only true disaster is perishing eternally. The only true disaster for Jesus is dying in your sins. So he's not going to let you be, be, you know, in denial about that. He's not going to let you deflect that truth. He's going to go right at it. And it's a hard truth. Unless you repent, you too will perish. You see, the Gospel Luke gives us two teachings of Jesus about what we're going to call the horizons for God's judgment. And there's two horizons for God's judgment. One of them we see plainly here. Disaster, death. And that can happen, Jesus is showing us, at any moment. Towers can fall. I mean, you, you realize that none of the people in Florida, when those condominiums fall, fell, none of the people woke up that day thinking, today I'm going to die. They had no idea. And this is how life goes. I mean, this last week, this last week, I just, in my own personal experience, and we're, I mean, we're going to do a Met thing. You've been waiting for that. Pete Alonzo, our first baseman, he's on the way to spring training. They're going to have a real season soon. And he goes through an intersection, and he's T-boned. And his Ford truck, goes over three or four times. He ends up face down. He kicks off the windshield, and he's, he's, he gives an interview, and he's shaken. You can tell he's shaken, and he says, I almost died. Just like that. 
You know, you're going to work and just like that. My father-in-law, this happened this last week. His good friend, whom a man and I know, broke a blood vessel in his brain. And 24 hours later, he's gone. The funeral's happening around Easter. Just like that. And you're gone. And Jesus, he's, he's helping us to understand that, that, that the horizon for judgment, for the end of it all, to face God, is it could be at any moment. And that's just one of them. He, we haven't even talked about the second one where, where Jesus says, at the end of the world, it could happen at any time. And he said, wars and rumors of wars and the love of most will go cold. And we could look around and see, you know what? That could happen at when? Anytime. There's two horizons for God's judgment. And Jesus, it's almost like he takes us by the collar and he says, wake up. This could happen at any time. And unless you repent, you will all perish because we are all sinners. There's a poet. His name is Kobayashi Issa. And he wrote this really stunning poetic line. He said this, In this world, we all walk on the roof of hell gazing at flowers. an amazing imaginative way to look at it so he pictures life as if as if we're walking along and below us are the flames of hell and yet after a while we don't care we'd rather stare at the flowers we'd rather be in denial about that we'd we'd rather like do whatever it is that we do on the face of the earth and ignore the reality that at any moment we could fall through. We walk on the roof of how gazing at flowers. I think Jesus would change that line just a little bit. We walk on the roof of how, but the roof is made of cracked glass. Isn't that what he's saying? Repent. Because unless you do, all that is that is his definitive clear answer to what are we going to do with the headlines repent it's not his only answer though he he actually continues and he tells a little bit of a story and honestly it's a strange story there's so many strange details so he he tells the the parable of what I'm going to call the, the frustrated, the frustrated vineyard owner. And this frustrated vineyard owner, he goes to his vineyard every year to see how things are going. And in the middle of all the grapes, this is a strange detail, and all of the vines, there's a lone fig tree. I don't know why there's a fig tree in the middle of the vineyard. But there it is. And 
The fig tree is frustrating the vineyard owner because every year the vineyard owner goes and there's no figs next to the grapes, none at all. And so the vineyard owner does something very logical. His, his reasoning is impeccable. He, he's like, well, it's just using up the dirt. It's not giving any fruit. Cut it down. But then something strange happens. Very strange. The gardener sticks up for the fig tree. It's like, no, no. <laughs> Don't cut it down. Now, if I'm if I'm the gardener, like, who cares? It's a fig tree. <laughs> cut it down. There's no fruit. Just makes sense. But here, here we have this guy. He comes in out of nowhere and he says, no, 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 no. I love this fig tree. In fact, let me invest in the fig tree. Let me, let me dig around it. Let me, let me put fertilizer around it. And then that's it. It's the end of the, that's the end of the story. In, in fact, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a little bit of a cliffhanger of a story because you don't know. You don't know what, what the owner of the vineyard was going to say back. You don't know if like, yeah, you're right. Let's give it another year. You don't know if he says that. You don't know if he says, no, I disagree. Cut it down. It's my vineyard. You don't know. And everything in this story depends on how good that mediator is. Everything depends just on how good that caretaker, how much influence that caretaker has over the vineyard owner. And I think that's an important little thing to notice. Because here, and this is, this is where we want to take away our, our, the second truth to um, how to respond to, to the vineyard owner, is I want to push two truths about Jesus into your hearts, just to show you that he is an influential mediator. And it's simply this. You can know that Jesus has been successful in his mediation for that fig tree, or for you and I, in two ways. And here's the first way. You're still alive. Like, just, that's such an obvious truth. But guess what? God's been patient with you. He hasn't cut you down. You haven't experienced disaster that kills you. Haven't. We haven't had a massacre. Thanks be to God. You're still alive. And that means, that is, that is tangible evidence that God has had grace with you and that God is patient. There's a second reason why we can be sure that God has had grace uh, with us, and it's this, and that he's been patient with us. He rose Jesus from the dead. Suffered in our place. He did that to make a payment for every single one of our sins. And so when God the Father raised from the, him from the dead, he made a declaration, I accept the sacrifice. So that everyone who believes in him is forgiven. 
Now, why does this matter today? The general principle is this, you all will perish, but there's always an exception to the rule, isn't there? Who does not perish ever? Those who repent. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is simply this, a sadness over our sin and a clinging in faith to what Jesus has done. And those who cling to Jesus in faith, who believe in this moment that all of their sins are forgiven, you are the exception to the rule. I wanted to just say one more thing about repentance. A lot of times we think repentance is our work. But Jesus turns that idea on its head. Like if we just spend enough time lamenting our sins and trying to be as sad as possible about them and then turning to Jesus. Repentance is more God's work than ours. Isn't that true? I mean, think about what, what could the fig tree do to repent? And really the answer is not much. <laughs> it was the caretaker's job to dig around it and to fertilize it. And isn't that what we're doing right now? Digging around it, fertilizing it, so that God can do that great work that we call repentance. I think we've gone far enough with it for today. That's Jesus' teaching. And, you know, next time, next time you get that smartphone notification, you watch the scrolling at the bottom of the screen on CNN or Fox News or wherever that you turn, NPR. And one of those headlines comes across. Two spiritual responses that Jesus gives. The first one is simply this. Repent. The second one is believe that God has been patient with you. You're still here. More than that, he's forgiven you in Christ. Amen.